You are listening to the Brad LaFrat Podcast, Episode 3. This week I'm talking to Dustin Smothers. Dustin is the editor-in-chief of ProWrestlingIowa.net and host and producer of the Pro Wrestling Iowa Podcast. So, let's get started. Hey everybody, Brad LaFrat here. Welcome to another episode of the Brad LaFrat Podcast. I want to thank you for listening. The podcast is produced every other Monday for you, and I encourage everyone to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can also find the podcast on Podbean.com. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Brad LaFrat Pod. That's B-R-A-D-L-A-F-R-A-T-T-E-P-O-D. And you can also follow me at Brad LaFrat. All links will be in the show notes. On today's show, I will be talking to Dustin Smothers, the editor-in-chief of ProWrestlingIowa.net and host and producer of the Pro Wrestling Iowa podcast. Dustin and I discuss WWE's recent brand split, the chances that the WWE will fully utilize the cruiserweights after the CWS tournament, and whether or not Brock Lesnar should compete at SummerSlam after failing multiple drug performance tests. This week, my guest is the editor-in-chief of ProWrestlingIowa.net. He's also the host and producer of the Pro Wrestling Iowa podcast and a good friend of mine, Dustin Smothers. Dustin, thank you for joining me. Ah, it's a pleasure to be here, Brad. Thank you for having me, man. No problem, man. I've been looking forward to getting a hold of you. I know we've been uh, texting back and forth here a little bit lately, but I'm looking forward to talking to you tonight. And also looking forward to picking your brain on some of the topical issues right now in the world of professional wrestling, a.k.a. the WWE. Before we get started, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you on social media? And also, can you plug some of the things that our listeners can look forward to on ProWrestlingIowa.net? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Smohawk, on Instagram at Smohawk, and I'm also on Facebook. You can search Dustin Smothers Dash Voice of PW Iowa. And as far as the podcast goes, you can obviously find us on Twitter at Pro Wrestling IA and on Facebook at Pro Wrestling Iowa. Uh, as far as things that are coming up, obviously, yeah, we'll have the Battleground post show up uh, by the time this goes. But we're also doing a post show for the Cruiserweight Classic every Wednesday night um, as soon as we can with myself and Darnell. And we did recently move the Pro Wrestling Iowa podcast from Sundays to Thursdays uh, just to allow us a little bit more freedom to – be a little more topical, um, have an opportunity to give our predictions for a pay-per-view um, three days in advance as opposed to a week in advance, things like that. Uh, but a lot of exciting stuff going on. Um, it's been a slow go for me since I took it over. I've been trying to ramp up and do a little bit more as I can. Um, hopefully uh, things will just keep flooding in as people move forward. So uh, just a lot going on, and it doesn't seem like the news in professional wrestling ever slows down. So there's never a week where there's not a lot to talk about. Here recently, the WWE held its brand extension draft on the first live SmackDown. After some time to digest how the rosters have been built, what are your initial thoughts and what are some of the aspects that you like and dislike? And was there anything that surprised you? Well, my initial reaction heading out of that evening was, here we go again. They've screwed up the brand split before it begins again. 
I, I feel like the Raw brand really did clean up, which was surprising considering they're going to be the exclusive home to the cruiserweight division. I felt like with the addition of the cruiserweights, that would open up SmackDown to reap the benefits of, of some of the roster gains a little bit more than they did. But I think there's still a story to tell here. I think that over the course of the next few weeks, obviously tonight at Battleground, we'll find out where the WWE Championship lands. But I think that with trades... Uh, storyline-driven issues between the general managers. I think we haven't seen the end of this story yet. And with SummerSlam coming up, which is also a split brand, or a, not a split band, but a cross-brand promotional pay-per-view, there's an opportunity for things to to kind of fall into place still. I think that NXT, uh, you're looking at Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura, Asuka, Bailey. They're still coming up soon. I think that SmackDown in the end will be okay. Um, but what surprised me was the lack of them splitting up a lot of teams like they had in the past. I was really happy to see the New Day stay together, the Usos, Vaudevillains, Enzo, and Cass. Um, that was a really big surprise. But I was also surprised to see them uh, split up the Wyatt family a little bit and throw Braun Strowman on his own on Raw. That'll be a very interesting uh, few weeks to see how they transition him into a single star and whether or not he's up for the challenge. Uh, surprised that Nia Jax and Carmella were called up from NXT. I don't know that either of them are ready for the main roster, but as we talked about um, on episode 24 of the show, Nia Jax really had run her course. She'd already been beaten by everyone, uh, and you really you either got to put the title on her in NXT or move her to the main roster. So I think they were kind of left with no choice. Also surprised there weren't any surprise returns yet. And I say yet because I don't, like I mentioned, I don't think this story's done yet. I think over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to see some people, whether it be like Shelton Benjamin or MVP, return to the main roster in WWE. Definitely a lot to look forward to. I, it was definitely an interesting draft. I think it surprised a lot of people, and I think a lot of people thought SmackDown was going to be completely fresh and a lot of new blood. And it didn't work out completely like a lot of people thought, including myself. Well, no, especially when you put John Cena and Randy Orton on that show, two guys that we were told several years ago would never fight again. Uh, with the roster they have, I, I don't see any option but Orton and Cena to lock horns again, which is a huge letdown, I think. I, I think a lot of people expected the SmackDown roster to be the home of a new era, and it, as of right now, it seems like business as usual. You had mentioned the WWE's Cruiserweight Tournament that has been taking place over the first couple weeks of july actually the first three they did introductions on july 6 i like most fans have enjoyed the first two weeks of the cruiserweight tournament that have been featured on the wwe network and will for the next eight weeks it's really been a, a breath of fresh air in many regards allowing unsigned talent to showcase uh, a lot of their athletic abilities on a bigger stage down in orlando although i have to dustin i have to admit that i have reservations do you really believe that the WWE will fully utilize the cruiserweights on Raw like Stephanie McMahon alluded to a, a week ago? I really hope so. The, obviously, the track record is not there for them following through on a cruiserweight division very well. I mean, in 1997, they completely botched the light heavyweight division, getting that off the ground. And they never really took it seriously in the mid-2000s when they had the cruiserweight division. I think the one saving grace right now is the pure raw talent that they've got currently under their umbrella. 
You have Kota Ibushi, Grand Metalik, Akira Tozawa, Lince Dorado, um, guys like Hoho Loon, who I've never heard of and surprised me, people like The Mac, and even uh, this past week, Kenneth Johnson, a guy from Detroit, Michigan, who looks as bland as they come. Get him in the ring, though, and he knocked my socks off. So I think the one saving grace is that there's a lot of name brand talent that people are familiar with that can shoot this division into the stratosphere. And I think there's guys on the main roster currently like Neville, Sinkara, other people like that, Kalisto, which that's another surprise, Kalisto being drafted to SmackDown when I would assume he could have been one of the flagship people in the cruiserweight division. Well, time will tell on that. I, I do think that they'll they'll hit it right this time, whether or not it's a sustained situation. They might get it right for six months, and then Vince might lose um, interest in it again. Who knows? But I think the success of the Cruiserweight Classic and the the absolute embrace the wrestling community has given this uh, product on Twitter, social media, um, has alerted the WWE to that. I think fans in general are ready for people under 200 pounds to get their fair shake on the main roster. I don't have the tournament bracket right in front of me, but would would you have to say that Zack Sabre Jr. and Kabushi would be your favorites to win the tournament? Those are the two that I put in the final. Uh, they're across from each other. I don't see – I think Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi are the two biggest stars in the tournament. I think Kota Ibushi will beat Zack Sabre Jr. in the final, but I would not be the least bit surprised to see an Akira Tozawa get in there or even a TJ Perkins. Uh, the story to be told with TJ Perkins is phenomenal. I mean, the kid's got a great background. Same with Rich Swan. There's a lot of great uh, storyline there for him as well, coming from you know, being homeless, both of his parents dying at the age of 16. Um, you know, Logic dictates that the, the two guys with the biggest name value are going to be in the finals, but WWE likes to tell a story, and I think there's a lot of options out there. And I don't think losing in the semifinal would ruin Ibushi or Sabre Jr.'s potential in WWE. I still think they'll be the, the top guys in this cruiserweight division, and I know rumor has it that Ibushi and Grand Metalik have already signed contracts with the company. So we'll see where they go from here. Will Ospreay's being brought in to evolve, so that opens the door for him to have a relationship with WWE as well. There's so much amazing junior heavyweight championship material out there uh, to steal one from New Japan that uh, who wins this tournament I think will end up being inconsequential. I, you, you almost might want to use this to, to get over somebody that doesn't have quite a name. I think you make a great point. You could also make a big impact and a big impression in defeat as well in this tournament. Before I let you off the hot seat, I want to get your thoughts on Brock Lesnar, a man that has been in the news quite a bit as of late. Should the WWE allow Brock Lesnar to compete at SummerSlam with reports of him recently failing two drug performance tests? It's it's a double-edged sword. Uh, he... I guess I get WWE's side of it. He did not fail their test, but the fact that he has not failed their test brings a lot into question. The one thing I will say, if you go back and you look at Brock at WrestleMania, he looks a lot better today. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he was not using any performance-enhancing drugs, whether that be the anti-estrogen supplements that's been rumored prior to going back to UFC. I think Brock is the type of athlete that 
can compete on any level he wants in professional wrestling. But I think going back to UFC, he had to prove everyone wrong. And so I think he may have taken, uh, I don't want to say the easy route, but he took the the route that got him popped for USADA drug failure. Um, I do think that WWE needs to take this opportunity to shore up any holes in their wellness policy because it does bring a lot of questions into into the forefront. How did Brock pass all these tests, but he fails these USADA tests? And not to beat a dead horse, but there's still a lot of questions. How has Triple H, John Cena, some of these guys never been popped for anything? You know, when you have guys not getting in trouble at all for for years and then Roman gets popped for what we now find out may or may not have been um, Adderall. There's a, there's a lot of questions I have about their policy. But to go back to your uh, your question, Brad, I do think they'll let him compete. He's not failed any of their tests and they're going to stick by that. And I think if they don't, SummerSlam's losing a huge match between Lesnar and Orton. I, I think time will tell. Um, obviously Brock still has to be fined by the Nevada state athletic commission. None of that has come down yet on Brock. They're still in the investigation period. So as things go in the United States, you know, I guess everyone's innocent until proven guilty, but we'll find out probably in the next few weeks where uh, Brock Lesnar goes from here. Great perspective, Dustin. I appreciate your time. I just want you to know that I am deeply proud of you and your work over at pro wrestling, Iowa.net. I'm, I'm very proud of the whole everybody you have staffed over there. You're doing a great job, and I want you to make sure that you enjoy Battleground this evening. I will, Brad, and thank you so much for those kind words. Thanks for listening to the Brad LaFratt Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and rate on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Brad Pod. This has been a Brad LaFratt production. Join me every other Monday for another edition of the Brad LaFratt Podcast. <laughs>